4: Hi, this is Fallon, and you're listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. Before I went on maternity leave, or actually, I think when I was on maternity leave, I had posted, hey, if you've been on the podcast and you'd like to give an update, I'd love to hear from you. And a few people did reach out with voice memos. Some people um, sent links to their wedding sites because they're getting married to someone totally different now. Um, But you can always, if you were on the podcast and you still listen, thank you. You can send me an update. I just ask that you email it to me. And you can just record it in a voice memo. So, I have a few updates today, and I thought that would be a good way to end the year with some updates on some episodes um, that we had here on Heartbroken. I'm Fallon, and this is the Heartbroken Podcast. Everyone has experienced heartbreak in their life, some more than others. Often, we feel like we're bothering our family or friends when we talk about it. I started this podcast to help those going through heartbreak share their stories. Sometimes it's easier to share with someone they don't know. I hope it's somewhat therapeutic for them. Maybe it gives them some closure. And to those listening, I hope it helps you feel less alone. Thank you for listening to the Heartbroken Podcast. We'll be covering a few episodes. I'm going to start off just kind of going far back with episode 10, And this was with Sarah, and she will explain a little bit about her episode. You can go back and listen to it if you want and see where she is now.
1: Hi, Fallon. This is Sarah from season one, episode 10. I recorded my episode with you in September of last year, talking about a relationship that had just ended with a boyfriend of mine that I was with for over four years when he just didn't come home one day. Um, When I recorded the podcast, I still really didn't have any answers and wasn't quite sure what was going on, and it really took some time to get those answers. I felt like I didn't really have closure, and I had to kind of figure out what it meant and how I felt about it without really any input from my partner at the time. Um, It took several months of soul searching and leaning on friends and family, but I really felt like I had started to heal and come to terms with what had happened, which was basically someone that I had loved and cared about for four years just disappearing. Um, It was about three or four months after I felt like I finally was over it, I had been dating, I was meeting great people, that I got a random Facebook message from someone who had been dating my boyfriend for two years and uh, him and I had just broken up probably six months prior to me finding this out so there was quite some overlap. Um, She was able to send me screenshots and pictures and conversations where he said he loved her and that he lived alone when we were living together and so her and I were able to have a good conversation and kind of come to terms with the fact that we both had been lied to We also, through talking with um, each other and kind of putting timelines together, found out there actually was also a third who he is currently living with. So when he had left um, our apartment that we had together, he actually was seeing, communicating and saying he loved um, three women total, me included. So that was quite a shock, especially finding this out months after I felt like I was finally over it felt kind of like I got pulled back in and drugged back into the mess and the chaos. And it was disheartening to say the least. But it also helped me to understand that this was the best case scenario was him walking out and me choosing to move on with my life. I've met some amazing people. I've dated casually, still don't know if I'm there yet, just because I feel like I'm still trying to work through some trust issues and Things that have come as a result of finding out basically my entire four-year relationship was a lie. So it's been a lot. Um, I've met some people where I feel a connection greater than I ever did with my previous spouse. So I'm starting to understand that there are good people out there and there are better people suited for me. I just have to give them a chance and put myself out there, which is sometimes easier said than done. Um, but other than that, it's been great. I've changed a lot about myself. I've really started caring about my health and my fitness, and I my mental health is so much better getting out of this relationship. I think sometimes you think it can't get better. Like you know, there's issues in the relationship, sure, but I love him or he loves me or um, we can work on things. But it wasn't until my relationship ended and I had to do these things on my own that I realized how my mental health had been damaged by the relationship I was in. So it's been great to kind of discover this new me. I did a solo trip by myself to Australia, which was amazing. I proved to myself that I can do this on my own and that I can do things for myself that I want to do. Which has been so great. I've made new friends and I've felt support that I never knew was possible. My friends are amazing. My coworkers are amazing. I have just this amazing support system. It's definitely not all easy, <laughs> not at all. There are still days where I wonder almost where my good karma will come back. You know, my spouse at the time left me. Um, for a woman he had already been dating and saying he loves you too, on top of another woman he was dating and saying he loves you too. So sometimes if I'm in a particularly down mood, I wonder why he gets to be happy and why he gets to be living with this new girl that he started dating before we even ended and why um, I'm still single and I'm still looking for someone But when I start thinking that way, I try to catch myself and remind myself that he is the same person that left me. He has not changed. Uh, He just is now making someone else's life miserable instead of mine. And it almost makes me feel sorry for him instead of anger or frustration. It's really kind of pity that he lives the life he lives because it can't, can't be good and it can't feel good, so I'm still doing my best like I did um, when I talked in my podcast about trying to be the bigger person, trying to only put good energy out and really trying to focus on making myself a better person, which hopefully will lead me um, to my next partner that hopefully will treat me in a way um, that will make me forget all about this mess I went through. But moral of the story is I want to thank you so much for giving me a platform and giving all these women a platform to talk and men. It's I listen every week. It's been great. Um, I actually have connected with one of the girls that did the podcast and we kind of have become online friends and we've met uh, in person and uh, it's been great. It's awesome to know that there are other people out there going through this to hear other stories to hear the strength of these men and women who just feel like they can't go on but they do somehow so I just want to thank you so so much for everything you do um, and I can't wait to hear more episodes thanks
4: And I want to thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing your update with us. The next update I received was from Juniper's mom, Amanda, and she shared her story, which was very different on the podcast. And I actually think that that was the first episode where we decided, you know what? There are so many types of heartbreak. And her story was the loss of her beautiful baby girl who was stillborn at full term. Her name was Juniper. Juniper. And this is Amanda's update. Shortly after recording the podcast
0: episode, I found out I was pregnant again. It was really crazy because my due date was only three days off from Juniper's original due date only a year later. Seeing that positive pregnancy test and crying happy tears for the first time in so long of crying so many sad tears was unreal. And they felt so weird to cry happy tears. We decided to share the news with our immediate families at Christmas. Even though I hadn't had a scan yet, even though we knew anything and everything could go wrong, but we wanted this baby loved and known from the start. Having our due dates lined up so closely was so hard, and it honestly can only be described as a mindfuck. Even though we hadn't shared Juniper's pregnancy at Christmas, we knew that I was pregnant with Juniper at Christmas two years ago. Shortly after the holidays, we had our first ultrasound, which was so exciting but so triggering at the same time. Of course, the last ultrasound I had had was the ultrasound where we found out Juniper had died at. It was crazy to see a new baby on the screen, a new baby whose little heart was beating already And of course, we cried some more happy tears. I was really sick again, and that made it really hard on top of how hard it already was mentally and emotionally. We sort of felt like we wanted everybody to know that we were pregnant, but at the same time, we just wanted to keep the news to ourselves. As the days passed and as I stayed pregnant, we decided to announce when I was about 16 weeks or so pregnant, We waited just so that we could prepare ourselves for all the comments and the questions that we would no doubt get. And announcing this pregnancy was weird. It was weird to be met with smiles again instead of people avoiding me at Target or people only giving me that look of pity. I had the biggest love-hate relationship looking forward to but also being fearful of feeling this baby's kicks. I knew that as soon as I would feel them, I would obsess over them. And I also knew that once I didn't feel them, if the baby was sleeping, I would be absolutely terrified that this baby had died too. The longer I stayed pregnant, the more likely it felt like this baby was going to die too. Most people's excitement gets to build as the pregnancy progresses. And to me, it went the opposite way. Every appointment that I had felt more and more likely that this baby was going to die, especially since my pregnancy with Juniper had been monitored so closely. I had so much anxiety surrounding the whole pregnancy and especially anxiety surrounding people knowing when I had appointments. I was very specific to advocate for myself and for our baby to ask for the appointments that I needed to mentally help me get through this pregnancy. But honestly, no amount of appointments or no amount of extra checking could even reassure me that we would bring this baby home. In fact, I want the word reassurance to be taken out of vocabulary surrounding pregnancy after a full-term stillbirth. We set an induction date, and that was the epitome of my anxiety. Everybody knew the day that Juniper died that I had an appointment, and so while I was in labor, once I n- knew she had died, I was getting texts all day. You're having a baby. People saw my car at the hospital and sent me a Snapchat. Y- you're having a baby and and I was having a baby. It was it was just different and
3: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
0: No purchase necessary. VTW, void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. At that point, I couldn't respond to their text messages. So with this baby, I didn't want anyone to know I was being induced. I didn't want anyone to know that we were at the hospital. I wanted to guard as much time and space as we could to just let let the emotions come as they would because I knew it was going to be really hard. So I'm probably going to start crying again. But on Wednesday, August 7th, 2019, we welcomed our second daughter to the world. And her name is Coral June. She was born exactly two days before her sister Juniper's first birthday. Hearing that first cry was so amazing. But what really got me was when she opened her eyes because we never got to see Junie open her eyes. We chose to have Coral born in the same room that we met Juniper in, which was really special and helped us feel closer to our first daughter. We even requested the same nurses. Once Coral was born, we really didn't know what to do with her. And she cried a little bit right away, but then She was quiet, and I kept asking the nurses if something was wrong with her. I kept poking her, like trying to get her to cry more, because in the movies, they show babies just screaming and screaming and screaming once they're born, and my only experience with birth had been death up until this point. But she was moving, she was breathing, she was making little noises, and she was just wonderfully alive and now she's four months old and I honestly still have a hard time believing that she's here and that she's alive. Once we were moved to a postpartum room, we called our families to let them know that we had our baby. Um, because of just all the anxiety and everything, we didn't share with anyone um, when I was going to be induced. So we literally called up our parents and said, we had a baby, come to the hospital. and. We didn't give them any sort of details until they arrived and got to meet her. Parenting your second baby, but your first baby in a sense, is a really weird experience to go through. I feel like I've been nesting and preparing to be a mom for two years, but I've been a mom already for a year. I like to call myself a second first-time mom, which I feel like is the only way to describe this really weird motherhood identity that I'm in. I found it really hard in the beginning to attend any sort of mom groups. I also kind of felt like I lost a lot of contact and connection with my grief groups because once you've lost a baby, it's really hard to see others with living babies, even babies born after a loss. Coral recently started smiling and giggling and that absolutely melts my heart the first time she giggled I just sat there crying because as much as I enjoyed it all I could think of was I wonder what Junie's giggle would have sound like and since their birthdays line up so closely just a year apart I can't help but think that Junie would have been hitting these milestones exactly a year ago we do our best to keep Junie a part of our daily lives We reference Coral all the time as a little sister because she is. Junie's photo or bear makes an appearance in different photos throughout the year. And it's really important to me that she's always recognized as a member of our family. I hope that as Coral grows up, she realizes how special her and her sister are to us. It is my goal that Junie's life will not fade quietly into existence, but also that Coral's life is not defined by her sister's death. I'm so grateful that we have Coral now and hope that we continue to have
4: days full of giggles with her. I want to thank you so much, Amanda, for sharing that update. And I w- I'm going to read an update here in a second, but first I want to hear from Caitlin. Caitlin found out her boyfriend had profiles on Plenty of Fish, Tinder, more. She'll, she'll actually talk about it because that wasn't even the worst of it. And here's her update. Hi, my name is Caitlin,
2: and I was in episode 29 of Heartbroken with Fallon um, Fallon asked for some follow-ups and I decided to follow up on, um, my story with my ex. So I did kind of talk about, you know, he cheated on me and there was the physical abuse and emotional abuse. Um, but the main part that I focused on was the cheating. Um, and after having, gotten into a new relationship i still kind of talked to josh off and on um to kind of help him through his struggles and with his addiction and um kind of help guide him through some struggling times i guess um <clears throat> so he actually ended up meeting my current boyfriend who i'm still in a relationship with now And, uh, he actually stayed with us for what was supposed to be a weekend, um, but turned into a week so that he could visit his son, which never did happen. Um, but I guess during that week, while I was at work and stuff and my current boyfriend and him were hanging out together, um, he kind of spilled the beans on how many times he actually did cheat on me. And I was actually able to pull that information out of my boyfriend now and found out that Josh not only had cheated on me a hand or twice, but nine different times he cheated on me. Yeah, nine times. Um, When I found out about that, I was pissed, you know, I was in a relationship with this guy for two, two and a half years. And he ended up cheating on me nine different times. And I've only found out about it twice, maybe. Um, yeah, that was, that was hard. Um, and obviously, as you could probably tell from episode 29, that I was kind of embarrassed about my story. I'm kind of embarrassed that I took him back after he cheated on me the first time. I'm embarrassed that, that him and I were friends with benefits so fast and things weren't even the greatest when we were friends with benefits and that the relationship happened so fast. Um, but after he was going through some struggles and having him stay with my boyfriend and I for a week. Um, He had later on moved out to, I want to say, no, he moved out to New York with his grandparents to kind of start fresh out there and eventually go to treatment out there for his alcoholism. And so he did that. He stayed with his grandparents for a while and went to treatment for a month. And <clears throat> and obviously it didn't work because he ended up getting his second DWI. And then about a month after that, he was driving in Pennsylvania, which I guess is close to his grandparents' house, and got his third DWI. After all of that, he tried to... Come and stay with my current boyfriend and I again um, to visit his son but that never ended up happening and as of right now I haven't heard from him in months he is MIA I don't know if he's in treatment or if he's in jail out there but I'm happy where I'm at now and I'm glad I'm I've moved I've been able to move forward from all of that. Um, and it's good to share the story, even though I did and still am kind of embarrassed about it. But that's my story, and I'm glad Fallon asked for a follow up because <clears throat> once I found out some new information, I actually wanted to reach out to her and be like, hey, I have some new information to follow up on. So. Here's my follow-up, and I hope you can learn from my mistakes.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much, Caitlin. So I have others. Also, I'll share episodes from Amy and Molly and more, but I was going to read this one. This was episode 16 to finish this out from Ashley. You can go back and listen if you'd like. Ashley was in a happy marriage when her husband ended things. Without any reason, she had to grieve and accept. So actually, this one was a written message to me that I'll read to you. She said, My now ex-husband had left me unexpectedly and with no reason. I still don't have a reason. Here's my update. Two years ago this month, my ex left me with no reason and my world basically ended. Life without him seemed impossible. A year after he left, I did the Heartbroken podcast. Listening back on it now, I feel like I am listening to someone who did a really good job at pretending she was okay. On the podcast, I was talking about things and saying things that I feel like I should have been saying. I wanted to believe them, but the reality was I still wasn't okay. I thought there was a formula or timeline for how to get over heartbreak, and I was really trying so hard to fit that mold. Reality is I was still lost and confused, and I realize now that's okay. When I did the podcast, I knew where I needed to go and what I needed to accomplish, and I knew that I would know when I was truly okay. Okay. After the podcast, I continued to go to school and work, and honestly, with each passing day, I realized that time and self-acceptance is truly what helps with heartbreak. Every day sucked and was a struggle, but every day got better. About six months after the podcast, I woke up and looked in the mirror and didn't totally hate who I saw. I still saw my imperfect hair, chubby cheeks, and big pores, but I also saw someone who was very slowly but very successfully overcome heartbreak. I was completely reliant on someone who left, and it took a long time to let go of that. But every day I woke up and didn't cry at my own face in the mirror was growth. I can now, for the first time, two years after divorce, say that I am okay. I am almost done with school and have had my first post divorce fling with a super hot dude. I have a Pinterest board full of ideas for when I get my own house in a few months. I'm exercising and eating well. Mostly, I wake up every day with hope. Even if the day sucks, I still have hope the next day will be better. The greatest feeling is that unlike a year ago, when I look at myself and say, it's going to be okay, I actually believe it. Self-esteem and acceptance is literally the hardest thing to accomplish. But without my divorce, I don't know that I ever would have gotten to this place. Time really does heal and we are all stronger than we give ourselves credit for. And she said to me, congrats. So I want to thank you. I love everything you said. I love that you look back on that. And you realize that you were kind of putting I think we all have done that at some point we like act like we're over because we feel like we should be and the the real realization is you weren't and it took more time and that is totally okay and if you're listening and you're going through something you're like oh but it's been years guess what sometimes it takes years and I hope that you do get through it and I hope you can look in the mirror and be okay also thank you so much for listening in 2019 to the Heartbroken Podcast we'll be back in 2020 with new episodes thank you